Hey guys, my name's Scott Niemeyer and I'm the lead pastor here at High Point Church. I wanna welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you are inspired and encouraged by the word today. Let's jump in and let's get started. Welcome you guys out today. Really believe that God's got some great things for us today. And specifically, I believe this, that every time that you come to God's house, no matter where it's at, uh, that this actually, it's, it's a divine appointment between you and God. And I believe that God, you know, if you'll open up your heart, what I've discovered during my times in church is that if you open up your heart, that God will really begin to pour things into you. Uh, he'll meet you right where you are and he'll begin to really minister to you and love on you and uh, give you some revelation, show you some things. And, and I believe that today is gonna be one of those days for all of us. And uh, we're gonna uh, continue our series called Thy Kingdom Come. Uh, and then we're going to kind of lead that into uh, Easter Sunday next week. Today, if you didn't know this, is actually a pretty famous day uh, on the Christian calendar, which is called Palm Sunday. Uh, so one week before Easter is always Palm Sunday. And uh, so today we're going to kind of look at Palm Sunday uh, and the events that happened on that day and really maybe some of the revelation or the lessons that we can learn of how Jesus came and more specifically what he came to do in regards to his kingdom. Because uh, those are really the things that really matter. And so really want to just encourage you guys to kind of lean in today. Let's pray and we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that we have this time and this opportunity to be together today. I thank you for every life that's here. Uh, God, I thank you for your, for your word, God, that your word is it's so quick and sharp and powerful. God, it has the ability to really discern the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. And God, I thank you that today as we, as we look into your word, God, concerning your kingdom, God, that you would give, you would bring something to us, God, that it would be revelation, but also an understanding but God, I've also learned that understanding without response is sometimes futile. But God, I thank you that today that you'll bring understanding, God, and we'll bring the response. I thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, yeah, um, Palm Sunday, just to kind of give you a little bit of a setting to, to kind of set this up, uh, it was what the Bible refers to as the triumphal entry, okay? So Jesus was out in, in all the surrounding areas of the city, and, you know, you, you read, we read about him in Galilee. We read about him in different villages, Bethany, and different areas like that, uh, Bethsaida, different areas. But I want you to know this, that he was traveling around, and he was what, what I call doing what he came here to do, which was to set up his kingdom. And I love that we describe it that way because he wasn't here just to talk about the kingdom. He was here to do the kingdom. So he was here to set up or establish this way of doing things, this process, if you will. I don't want to oversimplify, but it really is his way of doing things. And, and so, it, so what did that look like? Man, he's traveling around. I mean, he's, he's casting devils out of people. He's laying hands on people. People are getting healed. Uh, some people just touching the hem of his garment are getting healed. I mean, he's, he's just bringing encouragement to people. Many times it would say this about Jesus, that he saw someone that was in need, he had compassion on them, and then he met their need. And so I love the fact that even 2,000 years later, I want you to see yourself in that model that Jesus looks at you. And when he looks at us, he has compassion for where we are and what we're going through. And since he has that compassion, he's not a God that doesn't respond. He's a God that does something about what he sees in our life. 
And so whenever he responds, that's what these three years of ministry of him setting up his kingdom really look like. Well, we're coming, we are one week now away from Easter. And it was the same way then of what would soon be Easter, the crucifixion. And of course, for many people, they didn't understand what was actually going to happen. But, uh, but it, uh, it, one week before, how many of you know a lot can happen in one week? You know, one week can change your whole life. I like to say it this way, though, that one moment with God can change your whole life. It can really change the direction of your life. And so in this one week's time, we see Jesus coming in and he came in really as this triumphal entry. And people are like, they're laying down their clothes. They got palm branches. They are celebrating, man. They're, they're singing Hosanna in the high. I mean, they got all this stuff going on, man. This is our king. And, and as they begin to do that, just one week later, though, the same group of people are yelling, crucify him. The same group. Are, like, how many of you ever had somebody that's close to you, and then you realize they're really not that close to you? You know what I'm saying? That, that's, how, that's how the world was to Jesus, right? He's here, and he's setting up his kingdom, and he's loving on people, compassion, moving, healing, victory, set free, breakthrough. All these things are happening, and then what takes place? All of a sudden, all of those people that had received all of that, they're like, you know what? This is not really what we signed up for. And so they kind of switch on him during this week's time. But on Palm Sunday, they're super excited about it. So let's kind of look into that. Before we do that, though, I want to kind of go back to what we talked about last week, which was week number one of Thy Kingdom Come. And I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that message if you'd like to. I think it will kind of help give some, uh, some perspective and foundation for what we're talking about today. Do just a little bit of a recap, though. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus took some time to teach us several different things. One of the things he taught us was when to pray or how to pray, uh, when to give and how to give, uh, when to fast and how to fast. He began to pre uh, teach us those things. But another thing that he taught in there was, as he's teaching us how to pray, is there's a very familiar passage there, and it's actually called the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, he talks about many things, but in two different areas, he talks about his kingdom. And so this is not a prayer that we, I've mentioned this uh, last week, it's not a prayer that we're just to recite, nothing wrong with that, but it's more of a model, a blueprint of how we're supposed to pray. So if we look at the Lord's Prayer, we can begin to see, okay, this is the model of what we're supposed to pray and how we're supposed to pray it. So I think it's important that we look at it if he's teaching us, this is what you should do. This is how you should do something. Many people come to me all the time and say, Pastor, man, I want to serve, serve Jesus, but I don't really know what to do. Well, that's what the Word is so good for because the Word of God begins to teach us what to do, and this is for sure one of those teaching moments. So... Um, I, I, I kind of got the Lord's Prayer here, and I just want to kind of say it with you today. And so let's say this together. Everybody say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Now he was always bringing up the kingdom because that really was his, it's his mission here on the earth, okay? Uh, it's his main message, his main focal point is to establish the kingdom. And the reason I wanna talk about that today and really through this whole series is many people, they confess their belief in Jesus but they live a defeated lifestyle. 
And what I, what I think is, is, is a tragedy is, is to not know that something is available to you. But like, what if you knew that God had something available to you, like his kingdom, his way of doing things? If you knew that that was available to you, wouldn't you be like, okay, I don't wanna just say that I'm a Christian. I wanna get the benefits of it, but I also wanna know if I'm part of his kingdom, I wanna know everything about that kingdom. I wanna know how he operates. I wanna know how he does things because, you know, just to be honest, he's a very, very intriguing figure. If you just think about him as healing people and setting people free, I mean, there's some, there's some great things that are available to us. And so he's always talking about his kingdom. Last week, we looked at verse number 10, which says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I wanted to start there because it, it, it establishes a couple things. First of all, that we're gonna talk about his kingdom is coming. Remember we talked about that being a declaration. That we're, we're declaring that his kingdom is here, it is now, okay? And the next thing is this, is that your will be done. And we talked about the differences between your will and his will. And that really is where it all, the rubber meets the road, where we all have conflict, is what do I wanna do and what does God want me to do? And so we begin to, to talk about this because Jesus is teaching us to pray. Don't pray your will, pray his will. And then I love the last part of this, and this is where it all kind of comes together for us to where it's not pie in the sky. Now it says this, on earth as it is in heaven. So if the power and the kingdom is available in heaven, now he's saying pray for that to be available to you on the earth. So thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This week I wanna look at the last verse of the Lord's Prayer, and it says this in verse number 13, for yours is the kingdom. I mean, no, it's his kingdom, right? It's not our kingdom. Sometimes, this is where we sometimes have difficulty, is trying to merge our kingdom and his kingdom. That's the whole his will and our will, right? So this is what it says, for yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, and I love the last little word that he puts in there. Everybody say forever. Which means he wants you to know, pray this way, and this is a declaration. A declaration is when you say something that has already been established. So if you can get up and declare something, but you don't have the power to back it up, you're just talking. But Jesus, he doesn't just say stuff and not have the power to back it up. He says stuff and has the power to back it up. And he just, and this is where how you know he is king of kings and lord of lords, that he is above all, that he is all powerful. This is how you know because he's teaching us to pray. This is how it's gonna be. It's a declaration based upon what's gonna happen, which has already happened now. We're celebrating Palm Sunday and Easter. And then he, he says this, this is how powerful my, my kingdom is. It's gonna go on forever. Everybody say forever. In your mind, think about whatever that means to you. That doesn't mean it's gonna last this week. Doesn't mean it's gonna last for a month. Doesn't mean it's gonna last for, I'm talking about forever. Do you understand that his, his, his kingdom, his power, how many of y'all need some power in your life right now? His kingdom, his power, and his glory is gonna go on forever. So let's begin to kind of dissect exactly what that means. So here's the big question today. 
I know I'm kind of giving you a little bit of a history lesson, and I want you to be educated in what we're talking about today, but I also want it to mean something to you. I want it to inspire you to look on the inside and say, man, where can I find myself in that? So here's the big question today. Is the Jesus we want the Jesus we need? Y'all want to go back to the feel-good message? Y'all want to just go ahead and dive into this a little bit? What y'all want to do? Is the Jesus we want the Jesus we need? Many issues come in our life. Let me just say this. I believe that 99% of all issues in our life come from a broken expectation. That you expected one thing and you even connected it and tied it to God. And then it didn't happen for you the way that you wanted it to happen or in the timing that you wanted it to happen. And so you had a broken expectation. How did the people get from, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Hosanna in the highest. How did they get from that to crucify him? A broken expectation. We thought you were gonna be a king like this, but yet you were only a king like this. So let's kind of dive into that. Let's look at that just a little bit. So in order to answer that question, is the Jesus we want the Jesus we need, I'm going to look at Palm Sunday specifically, and we're going to allow the events of that day to kind of unfold and unpack this answer for us. Let me do a little bit more setup and a little bit more detail for you. Jesus had just done one of the greatest miracles of all time. He just raised Lazarus from the dead. How many of you know healing somebody, that's a powerful, that's a powerful, powerful miracle? How, how many of you know that, man, being able to set people free from some type of oppression or, or, or possession, how many you know that's a powerful, powerful miracle? But do you understand that is this particular miracle where he actually said to death, no, you can't have Lazarus. I'm actually going to speak life into his body and he's going to come back to life. Just a little bit of a foreshadow of what was about to happen. So he just raised Lazarus from the dead. He had just showed what type of his kingdom, his power and glory forever actually meant. He just showed what type of power he had. His popularity was on the rise. People were following him by, by the hundreds, maybe even the thousands the Pharisees were very concerned. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of that time. Do you know there's a difference between religion and relationship? Lots of people get religion. That's, I call religion box checking. Check, church, give, said something nice to my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, check, check, check. What about relationship? What about... I don't want to mess up. I don't want to do anything that's going to make my father unhappy. That's not even probably the best way to say it. It's probably not even the best. How about this? I want to do what's right because I love him. So there's this difference between this, this, this rules or religion over relation. But the Pharisees, they were really concerned because they were very, very religious. What did Jesus say about them? On the outside, you guys look like well, whitewashed tombs. Everything looks good. Everything's put in place. But on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. <laughs> so there's a difference between what we can look like on the outside and what actually the, what's happening on the inside. 
On this day, the people were excited about their new king. But here's the expectation that they had, because I want to set it up for the broken expectation that they experienced. So the expectation they had was this is going to be a king of war. He's going to get rid of the Roman occupation. He was going to take care once and for all of all the, the Philistines. He's going to take care of all the enemies of the children of God, and he's going to come here once and for all, and he's going to wipe everybody out. If you're not Jewish, you should be glad that he did not do what they wanted him to do, okay? Because we wouldn't be here today. So what is he saying here? He's actually saying, listen, I'm coming to do it a different way, but they expected a king of war to get rid of, of the oppression that they were experiencing. But he had a plan. He had a plan that was greater than our plan. He had a plan that was different, a different plan than what, we, what they could see in that moment. Let me just say this for a second. They had a broken expectation because what he came to do and what they expected him to do were two different things. And I'm gonna say something here. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Their focus on the wrong thing diminished their faith. Their focus on the wrong thing, it diminished their faith. So they begin to focus and begin to think, man, we thought you were gonna be this, but now you're showing us that you're gonna do it a different way and it doesn't make sense to us. So when you focus on the wrong thing, your faith level will be diminished. Do you know that without faith, it is impossible to be pleasing to God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Today, I'm, I'm sharing with you about Palm Sunday. I'm giving you some scriptures, but what's happening in the spirit realm inside the room is that whenever the word of God comes forth, it has the power to build your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of God. So something on the inside of you is like, you know what, man, I'm hearing this word. You know what, maybe I've had a broken expectation. Maybe I'm focused on the wrong thing. Maybe I'm looking the wrong direction. And maybe if I'll start looking the right direction and quit trying to fulfill my will, maybe God will begin to do something supernatural in my life. So here we go. Let's jump into the story now. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. It says this, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. Now, how many of you can see what's happening here? You see, first of all, that they're on the Mount of Olives. If you've ever studied the geography of Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives is the mountain that is just next to the city of Jerusalem. So if you're on the Mount of Olives, you can look down and you can see the entire city. But it's not like you can just like get there super quick. It's probably up and down the mountain almost two miles to be able to get up over there. So you can see that they are on some place, and he says, go into the village that is here, and, 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 and you're going to find a donkey and a colt tied there. How many of y'all know that there is another name for a donkey? Y'all know that? Did y'all hear Justin singing back there? He's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to try to sing. All right. So he, 
He says this, though. You're going to find a donkey and a colt there, and they're going to be tied up, and he says, loose them. I, I could, that terminology like that gets me fired up because Jesus is giving a direct command to go, to go find something that is tied up and bound up and to loose it because he has need of it. Now, that means something if we're talking about a donkey, but it means something completely different if we're talking about the other word. Y'all with me today? Y'all slow? Do y'all know what another word for donkey is? I'm gonna, I may save this part of the message for the, the later service. So anyway, it says, you're going to find them there, loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. Immediately he will send them. So here's the deal. Jesus chose to ride in in his triumphal entry. The king of the Jews chose to show up on a donkey. This story is told four times in the Gospels, and this is only one uh, perspective of the story. Other perspectives of the story will tell you that they were look, he was looking for a donkey, or in this case, it gives the difference between the mother donkey and the colt, and I can give you some background on that, but ideally, he's trying to get to where he, he rides in on this small colt, and it says in the other translations that the colt had never been ridden on before, so just keep that in your mind, and I'm going to unpack that for you as we go. I do want you to know this, that normally when the Jews would coronate a king, they would ride in on a horse, sometimes a horse and a carriage, sometimes maybe even some sort of a chariot, and that's what the Jews would normally do. But this particular time, Jesus chose not to do it the traditional way. Let me just set it up for you, okay? He chose to do it a new way. Have you ever heard the scripture that behold, God is doing something new. So in this moment, when he decides to do it a different way, the only context that the Jewish people had was the old way. And when they only had this context, they begin to, to set their expectations based upon what they knew instead of having faith in God on what he was about to show them. So as this begins to unfold, he chooses this donkey, and a donkey's always been referred to as a beast of burden, and it represented humility, not war. It was not the traditional way to be able to present the king. Let's keep reading the story. Matthew chapter 21, verse number six through nine. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and they set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. How many of y'all been in church a little while? Okay. Not trying to separate nobody. I'm just wanting to find out. Because, you know, I grew up in church. Y'all hear me say it all the time. I grew up in what you call church church. Y'all know what church church is? I mean, like, let's get down. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody take a lap. Let's, let's get this thing started. You know what I'm saying? Like, so whenever we begin to 
process that and think about that. There used to be a song that was written right out of this scripture. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. You guys remember that song, anybody? Two of you, great. Okay, three of you, awesome. Well, let me just tell you, it was, a, it was a popular song, and they sang it because of what was taking place on Palm Sunday. But let's think about that. Hosanna to the son of David. So they're recognizing that he is the son of David now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and Hosanna in the highest. So let's talk about three things that Palm Sunday teaches us about his kingdom coming, thy kingdom come. The first thing is this is, and it's already been mentioned, but it, I want to I drill down a little bit. The first one is this, is humility. If you're all about your will, this one's going to be a hard one. Because when there's a whole lot of I, there's a whole lot of pride. But when there's a whole lot of what can I do for somebody else, there begins to be a whole lot of humility. Humility, he rode in on a donkey. This is the first indication that things were not going to be what they expected. They expected the, the horse or the chariot. They expected the, the king of, of war. But he rode in on a donkey that had never been ridden before. Luke chapter 14, verse number 11, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let me just tell you this. There is two phrases in this verse. Leave it up on the screen here just for a second. And the word and is between the two phrases. Let me just tell you right now, I have lived on both sides of this and. I have exalted myself only to be humbled. How many of you know that's a, that's a hard one, right? We've all experienced that though, right? We've all come up with these moments where we're like, you know, I'm, thanks God. I mean, I know you've created me and the heavens and the earth and you know, gravity and the whole planet thing. I mean, thanks for doing all of that, but I got this one. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And here's the other side, which is where we're trying to get to. And thank God that he said and. Thank God that he gave us a better way. Thank God that he's setting up his kingdom in such a way that you could do it this way in this old kingdom. You could do it this way in the world's kingdom, but how about you do it my way in my kingdom? So then he says this. He says, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility. The second way, second thing that Palm Sunday teaches us about that kingdom come is there is a new way. There's a new way. This humility is, is leading up to, it's, it's opening the door to a new way that he's trying to introduce to the people. Riding on a donkey that had never been ridden. In his kingdom, he is introducing grace over law. He's introducing grace over law. Now, some of y'all, if you, I'm telling you right now, I'm losing some of you right here, I can tell, all right? Let, let, let me just give you the picture, though, of what Jesus came to do. How many of you know it doesn't say that you were saved by law? What does it say? You were saved by what? So if you're saved by grace, then you can't be saved by law. So you can't do enough to be good enough to be able to receive what he's trying to do to you. 
But if you're expecting a king of war and you're expecting something that is already set up in your mind, if you're, ex- if you're expecting God to move in, an, in this old system or the system that you're seeing in the world, I want you to know he's not operating in that system anymore because seven days later, actually five days later, when he begins to go to the cross and he is crucified and he lays down his life, it changes everything. It begins to change how they were doing things, and he's beginning to show you, I am doing things a different way now. So grace is this free and unmerited favor of God. So he's introducing a new way. Let me just go back and let me touch on this. This is the only account of the Gospels that talks about two different animals. It actually says this. It says the donkey and the colt, which actually lets you know that it is, if you read it and study it out, it's the donkey and the foal of the donkey. So it's the donkey and the child of the donkey. He was looking to ride in, and people can say, let me just, the Bible does not say what I'm about to tell you. So this is is for your interpretation, okay? I'm just going to tell you what some people believe, all right? So anytime I say that, it's not what the Word of God says. I want, you to, I want to be clear on that, okay? So many people believe because they were on the, the Mount of Olives and they had to come down and back up to get into the, to the city gate to be able to come in, that they would have used the mother donkey coming down out of this, off of this mountain because it was a much more treacherous, much more difficult, something that had to be kind of taken care of to be able to get to the city, which is where he was about to establish a new way of doing things. When he got to the city, the Bible does not teach us, but he would have gotten on the donkey, the colt, the foal that had never been ridden before to signify that things were about to be different for your consideration only. But I do think it's interesting that he talks about both and it actually goes back and fulfills the prophecy in Zechariah that actually says there was two, just so you know. That's not the main point. The main point is one of those, the mother donkey that had been used over and over and over again to be able to do what she was put on the earth to do, do you understand that is the old system, that is the law, that is the Ten Commandments, that is the Mosaic Law, that is the 600 and something things that you gotta try to be good enough to do in the Old Testament. But now that I'm here, let me establish a new kingdom and let me do it a way that's never been done before and ride a donkey that has never been ridden on to signify we're going to do this a new way. And he says this. Let me just give you a couple of verses about grace. So the new way is in his kingdom, he's introducing grace, free and unmerited, the favor of God. I like to say it this way, the power of God in your life. He's introducing grace over law. Ephesians chapter two says this, God saved you by his grace. Not by his law, not by you being good enough or right enough. God saved you by his grace. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Think about the best gift you've ever been given. This one's even better. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done so none of us can boast about it. Romans eleven six 6 says this, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Romans six fourteen. sin is no longer your master. 
For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Do you understand that true freedom comes from God's grace? It is a perspective. It is a, it's a mindset that has to shift. But if you don't shift, you will operate your life in a broken expectation because you will have the wrong view of God. And let me tell you right now, whatever your view of God is will determine your response to God. So if you view God wrong, your response to God is going to be wrong. But if we view God right, our response to God can be big. It can be right. You guys get anything out of this today? Third thing is this. Third thing is this. The upside down. You heard me say this all the time. So if the world's kingdom is like this, this is the world's kingdom that we live in, God's kingdom that Jesus came to set up is upside down. So Whatever you think is, is how, they, how we do things in the world system, God is saying my system is a little bit different. So it's the upside down system. Here's what I mean. He rode in on a donkey, not a chariot. What we need is not always what we want. Remember the big question today? Is the Jesus that we want the Jesus that we need? What we need is not always what we want. But Jesus knows what we need better than we know what we need. And when we live a life that is submitted to him, we begin to open up to this relationship and not rules. And people like to say this. I'll just touch on it for a second. Well, Pastor Scott, you're saying the Ten Commandments are passed away and you're saying the laws are passed away. That's not what I said. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And if I've come to fulfill it, it kind of breaks it down. He was asked by the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, hey, what's the most important of all that stuff from the old side? What, what's the most important? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you can understand loving God, that's relationship with everything that you are. And loving people, not living your life for yourself, but beginning to love other people, I'm telling you right now, you will fulfill everything over here by doing these two. You can name one, go research whatever you want to, go name one, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you love God, it will take care of it. I've always said this, and I, I, I hope you guys don't get tired of you know, me using some of the same illustrations, but I, wanna, I want you to see the picture of this. I always say this. I don't not cheat on Kelly because I'm scared of getting caught. I don't cheat on Kelly because I love Kelly. Do you see the difference? So I love her, I care about her. So that, that, that's, that, that's pulling me to a higher standard. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, and it changes the perspective of how we respond because if you always think you can't be good enough and you're just not gonna make it, and you just, it's just so frustrating and you're always just trying to get right, get right, get right. If you view yourself that way, you will always have a broken expectation of where God wants to take you. He's trying to set you free. So the upside down, here's a, here's a verse, a couple of verses, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. That's another way of saying because in the Old Testament law, there was lots of laws about eating and drinking. It's not, about, it's not a matter of what you eat and what you drink, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness. We're not right in our own ability, but we're, we're made right through him, through what he was going to accomplish during this week's time. Righteousness, peace, 
when you get stuck on a broken expectation, the last thing that you will have is peace. But yet Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace. He's described as being able to provide a peace that can go beyond what we can understand. So you can rest in a peace on the inside of you that goes beyond what your mental capacity can understand. See, that's a spiritual thing. That's why it doesn't say in the flesh, it says in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, what about joy? How many of y'all know it's okay to have some joy? That's one thing they got right whenever they were bringing him into the city that day. Man, they had the palm branches and they were waving them, man. They're singing Hosanna in the highest. And I'm telling you right now, they had some joy in their life. Don't let a broken expectation steal your joy. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, brings you strength. It's what gives you fortitude. It's what gives you overcoming power. So the joy of the Lord is what you're looking for. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 13. Let's wrap up with the last verse of the Lord's prayer. It says this, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The word glory means this, magnificence splendor, respect, the presence of God. Yours is the kingdom, his kingdom, the power. What kind of power do you need in your life today? And the glory. The glory is a hard word to kind of describe. I just did my best, but when I was looking this up in the dictionary, one is like, how many of you know the dictionary is confused? How many of y'all know that? 12 definitions to the same word. I'm like, what's going on here? Well, I mean, we're, just, we're just making up stuff as we go, I guess. I don't know. One of the definitions was the ring around Jesus' head that's glowing for glory. Look it up. Glory. And I thought about that. I'm like, that is an elementary way to say that. But doesn't it kind of give you that he's got the goods? And it kind of give you that like, oh man, he really is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm looking around at all the other gods that I've seen, you know, like Buddha and all this other stuff. I'm like, I, I don't see no glory up around them. Do you understand the difference? The glory of God, it's that X factor, it's that. He is God. He's the king. He's the king of kings. And he's come to set up his kingdom, thy kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. And you, my friend, you can participate in that in your life. That's it. Palm Sunday wrapped up. I want to pray for you just right where you are. If you don't mind, just bow your head and close your eyes. And If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Scott, man, I... Thank you for the word and getting excited about Easter week. And, but I'll be honest, the one thing that was revealed to me through that word is that I'm not where I need to be with God. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life, like a full surrender, like, God, I want to do it your way. Maybe you've never done that. You never surrendered your life to God. See, what Jesus is accomplishing during this next week, it changes everything for us. But it's important that we choose to participate in that.
So if you want to get your life right today, maybe you've never surrendered or maybe you have, but you know things are just not right. I want to just invite you right now. Just, just slip your hand up right where you are. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You can pull it right back down. Anybody else want to get things right with God today? And now is the time and this is the place. Thank you. All right, now if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Scott, man, I really, in, in, a, in, a, in a good place with God as far as my relationship, but I'll be honest, I sometimes, well, let me just say it this way. I'm just going to be blunt about it. Right now, you're experiencing a broken expectation. If that's you, raise your hand up. It's a broken expectation. You expected something and it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. You can pull your hands down. Let's all say this prayer together. Everybody say, Father, thank you for loving me. God, you're so awesome. I say today that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you, God, for giving me such a gift. I receive righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now, God, for every person that's here. God, you saw the hands that went up, God. So many people dealing with a broken expectation. God, what a, what a powerful thing to be able to admit. God, I thank you right now that you'll bring clarity of vision to their life, God. That you'll begin to shift them, God, from the wrong focus to the right focus. God, I thank you right now, God, that as they get their eyes on you and on the right focus, God, I thank you that you'll begin to reveal to them that you do have a plan and that your plan is better than our plan. God, begin to work that out. Begin to open up the doors. Begin to give revelation. Begin to show people, God. Begin to work. Begin to move. Begin to, to, to exercise, God, what you promise in your kingdom, which is your power and your glory. God, I thank you for that in people's lives right now. God, we just thank you right now, God, that every single person here would experience you today in a very real and a powerful way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this message, we want to encourage you to subscribe and to also share it on social media. You can always jump over to our website, myhighpointchurch.com. Click the giving link. What that does is it helps us to continue to share the message of Jesus Christ across the world. God bless you and remember, you can do all things through Christ.